Amen. Well, God bless you. Would you lift your hands toward heaven and let's pray together. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that this word you have given would speak to your people. I pray, God, that you'd just breathe into them fresh wind, fresh spirit, fresh anointing, fresh fire, Father. We honor you. We give you praise right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together again and bless the Lord? I am so honored and so blessed to be with you uh, here for the mowing chair. I'm so happy that my wife got to join me. It's not often that she gets to travel with me, but she uh, made the trip, and so I'm glad to have her here, glad to be with a dear friend and uh, your president, Dr. Scott Hagen. Uh, I met Scott back in either 2002 or 2004. He spoke at a conference that our church hosted in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, Winston Larry, extended mutual friend, extended that invitation to you, and we met each other there. And I'm just so proud of what God has done in and through his life. Amen. I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament prophet, uh, Jeremiah. And we're going to go to the 18th chapter of the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to talk for a little bit about the potter's house. The potter's house. By the way, one church is the name of the church, not the quantity of churches that I pastor in Lima. Our name is one church. Amen. Um, Jeremiah 18, we're going to start at verse 1 and just work our way down through verse number 6. And it reads, the word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. There I will cause you to hear my words. God says to Jeremiah, there's something I want you to see. And when you see this thing, you're really not going to understand it. But then there's something I'm going to hear. And when you see and when you hear, then you'll understand what I'm doing. Oftentimes in life, as we look at our lives, as we look at the development, as life is progressing for us, we see things that don't make any sense. COVID has taught us how to refocus our vision and refocus our sight. I recall being a young man in Bible school, like many of you all, who felt the call of God, and I felt the call, but I knew God had sanctified my life. God had called me, but I didn't know what he had called me to do. The understanding of the call came later. But thank God we cannot wait. We cannot afford to wait until clarity comes to respond to what God has commanded. We are people of faith. We move, we act, we flow with the Lord. We don't always have to understand. Understanding often comes later. I know many of you may be anxious and worried and concerned about your future. God, what are you doing? What is it going to look like? Where am I going to land? What's the place you've called me to? Where will it be? What location? What people? What nation? What assignment? Listen, just 
flow with the Lord, and he will order your steps and mark your pathway, and he will ensure that you end up right at the destination that he has for you. I've been in Lima 16 years. My wife and I served there together. The 20th of this month, just a few days, we'll celebrate 28 years of marriage. Amen. Can you give it up for this wonderful lady putting up with me for 28 years? Amen. There are times God calls us to see things that we don't understand, and we hear things that we don't understand, and understanding is what comes later. God tells Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house. So Jeremiah obeys the word of the Lord. He moves. He flows with the Spirit of God. And Jeremiah says, when I got there, when I got there, there he was. There who was? The potter. The potter was making something at the wheel. He says, I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, the potter, was making something at the wheel. Jeremiah didn't really even know what the potter was doing. He just knew he was up to something. Amen. He knew that the potter was, was executing a vision. He knew that the potter had something in his mind that he was transforming this lump of clay into. That in the potter's heart, there was a vision that he wanted this vessel to fulfill. And that it, through his hand, through his skillfulness, the clay would take on the shape, the mold, the form that would help it fulfill the purpose that the potter had crafted it for. He was the Lord over the clay. The clay was yielded to him. He was the sovereign over the lump. He was the perfecter of the work. You know, Paul tells us that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. We are his artwork. We are his poetic utterance that God is at work in our lives. How many of you know God is at work right now in your life? There's a song we sing at our church that says, even when I can't feel it, he's working. Even when I don't see it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. I came to remind you this morning that God is working in your life right now, that the potter is shaping and molding and forming you into the vessel that he desires you to be. He said the potter was working at the wheel. He was working, at, he was making something at the wheel. Now, it's interesting that the wheel spins. It's in constant motion. And that motion can be disorienting. That motion can cause confusion. That motion can cause dismay. But the potter needs the clay to move so that he can see it from all sides, so that nothing is hidden from his view. The clay had no secrets. The clay had no skeletons in the closet. The clay had nothing to hide. The clay had nothing to conceal because the potter was spinning it on the wheel. The wheel ensured that the clay could be touched intimately by the potter's hand, that the clay could experience 
Though his hands are huge and they're heavy, but the clay could, could, could benefit from his tender touch. The wheel gave the potter perspective. It gave him a view of the clay like nothing else would. We all have these wheels in life that we find ourselves on. These times, these seasons, these circumstances, uh, uh, the old preachers called it the vicissitudes of life. You can Google that word to see what it means. The ups and the downs, the, the highs and the lows, the, these joyful and painful moments, these cheerful and tearful moments, these times when it seems like life is having its way with us. The potter's still at work. He's working in these moments where we're confused and we don't know which way we're going and it seems like we are spinning out of control. The potter is at work. His hand is at the wheel working and fulfilling his vision. Never despise when God has you at the wheel. Never despise when it seems like you're out of control. COVID taught us that. We've been out of control. I heard the frustration in President Hagan's voice when he said, this place used to be packed. And we would pack the altars and weep and cry and seek God together. But now we had to change. We're on the wheel. Our church just built a brand new church. Summer, we got our certificate of occupancy in 2020. Just built a brand new church. We're on the wheel. <laughs> There's sometimes in life where you just out of control. But you know what? Never forget the potter is working. And it's the wheel he uses to turn us and transform us into the vessel that he desires us to be. Then Jeremiah says that as he was at work at the wheel, shaping, forming, molding, making this, this, this clay vessel into what he desired. He says that I watched the clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he began to just start all over again. It was as though there was a shape, a form, a fashion that the potter wanted the clay to take, and it just wasn't taking shape. So he just broke the whole thing down, collapsed everything, and started all over again. You see, that clay on its own was worthless. It had no value. It had no purpose. It was virtually useless. It sat Sad and gray, gloomy and solitary, alone. It had no purpose, no destiny, no promise to fulfill, no hope of a future. Then the potter reached down and grabbed that cup of, lump of clay and began to form it and mold it and shape it and fashion it and making it into what he desired it to be, pulling it and pressing it and poking and prodding it into the vessel he wanted it to be. He knew the vessel he needed this clay to become, and he began to do the work in the life of the clay. The clay was clueless. It may have had a nebulous vision of what the potter was doing, but it was really clueless about the detail, about how it would happen, about what it, the outcome would be. And the only choice the clay had was to yield, was to relax. The clay could not fight the potter. The clay could not tense up and resist the form and the shape that he was molding it in. The clay may have sensed that it had a prophetic destiny, but it had no practical point of reference. What in the world is the potter doing with me right now? 
It had to yield to the skillful hand of the potter. It had no option but to render itself and surrender itself fully and wholly and totally to the work of the potter. It had no response to the potter other than to say, thy will be done. My brothers and sisters, hear the word of Jeremiah. God, as Jeremiah's watching this thing play out, God says, now I want you to hear the message that I want you to preach. I'm going to give you a text and I want you to go carry a message to the people. Verse 5 says, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look as that clay is in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, O house of Israel. Are you still in the potter's hand? Is he still shaping and making and folding and molding your life into the vessel he envisions you to become? Not this self-generated, charismatic, platform, pulpiteer that we've grown to now celebrate in this saga of consumerized Christianity. But the vessel that says, I will be whom the potter has shaped me to be. I will say yes to him while others are saying no. I will do that that others may deem demeaning, but I'm willing to step into that space. Why? Because the potter has a plan for my life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back, but I'm going to give you three observations, three lessons I want you to carry from the potter's house. The first lesson is this. The potter has a purpose for every vessel to fulfill. The potter did not waste time, effort, energy, resources. He did not waste his skillfulness just to create vessels to contain nothing. He creates vessels. He molds them. He shapes them. He fashions them so they can fulfill a purpose. Some are tall and slim. Others are short and stumpy. Some have depth of capacity. Others are very small and shallow. But all of them are the product of the potter's purpose. Number two, the wheel is indiscriminate. Every lump ends up on the wheel. I know it may look like some people have uh, such an assignment that they are just floating in the glory on flowery beds of ease. But let me tell you something. Every assignment, when you serve God, there will be some cross to bear. There will be something you don't like. There will be something that will be a constant irritant. There will be something that will get on your nerves about what God has called you to do. But when you realize that I'm on the wheel and the potter is making me into the vessel he desires me to become. And lastly, and I say this to you, Recognizing the generations of leaders that you are, it is so foolish for one vessel to compare itself to another. It is foolish for one vessel to say, well, why did you make me short and wide and the other one tall and slim? Why did you make that one to bear wine, but I have to hold oil? Why did you make this one to be a water picture, but I have to be a vessel that contains the, the oil. Why 
Should the vessels foolishly gesture, comparing themselves one to another? Your life has far more meaning than the number of friends we have on Facebook. Our lives have far more purpose than the number of followers we have on Twitter. Our, 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 our purpose is far-reaching than just how many likes I get. The potter created me to be the vessel that I am. And he is preparing me for the work that he has sovereignly called me to do. Would you stand with me? For the next few moments that we're together, would you just lift your hands to the Lord and just begin, number one, to just say to the potter, I'm in your hands. You can take me, you can make me, you can mold me, you can use me to become the vessel that you need me to be. And while you're on the wheel, would you say to him, it's hard, but I'm not going to move. I wish it were easy. I wish I could tell you, you're just going to float into heaven on a cloud with flowery beds of ease, but life is hard, and the yoke of time can be heavy. But listen, as long as you're fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. And the third thing, don't look over your left shoulder, your right shoulder, and say, I wish I was that one, or I wish I had what they had, or I wish I could do what they're doing, or I wish I could be who they are, and just begin to celebrate who God has sovereignly picked and chosen you to be. Can you just begin to celebrate the gift that is you? Listen, someone said to me, no one, no one will ever have the privilege of being you but you. Hallelujah. The potter has a plan for your life. Just begin to celebrate him. Just begin to worship him right now. Just, just begin to say, I'm in your hands. I'm just that lump of clay. I'm just that lump of clay. And I'm in your hands. I belong to you. I surrender to you. I'm yours, Lord. Everything belongs to you. I lay it all before you. I crucify my desires and I crucify the pull of the flesh and I crucify rebellion and I crucify it and I surrender to you and I say, not my will, but thy will be done. Use me, Lord. Have your way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 